but what a great week we had last week, our Easter services, and uh, it, was, it was a great blessing, saw a lot of new faces, and um, man, just a, a, an awesome time in the Lord and rejoicing in what He's done. As I said last week, we celebrated every single week. We sang about it this morning, the empty tomb and uh, what He's done uh, on our behalf. We paid the price and uh, all those things. But a couple of weeks ago when we were in this study and we left off, uh, we saw two points in particular. And I'm going to share those again this morning just as uh, a, a way of review. It says, the way will be rejected. This is from your notes from two weeks ago. Um, but just because it is rejected, it doesn't negate our devotion to it. Uh, number two was the work of God is undeniable, and we as God's people are privileged to be a part of it. And these are some recurring themes, and again, we're going to see a couple this morning uh, that are a little bit different, but a little bit similar to some of the previous points. And, and hopefully it's something that we get along the way that this is just the way it was for the first church. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I think that we in our, in our lives, and, I, and I've shared this many times before, we're, we're battling sometimes for the wrong things. You know, we're battling for comfort. We're, we're battling for um, just these lives here on this earth that are really just a moment in the scope of all eternity, and we're, we're, we're all like in this, this rat race to get to a place of comfort and ease, and, 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 and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this here in a little bit, but uh, that's not really what we've seen in the first church, and it's not to say that God doesn't want us to experience the blessings that He's created and given to us on this earth. I think that God does want us to enjoy the blessings, but not to live for the blessings, and not to, not to pursue the blessings, um, but to pursue Him. And in that path of pursuing God, uh, those blessings are just naturally on that path as we're walking in His will. But we know, as we've seen in this study and what we've experienced in our life, if you've experienced this in your life, um, you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know that's just the case. You know, and, and, and one of the, the most amazing kind of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it conundrums or, or um, interesting situations as a Christian is this, the more you're devoted to the, to the will of God and the more you sell out and the more you surrender to the Lord, it seems like the more the attacks and the battles and the trials come, and so it, it's, it's this, um, man, I, I, I look, and again, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but we kind of look at other people, other Christians' lives, and, and we say, well, it looks like everything's amazing in their life, and they're serving God, and, and that's what I want my life to look like. And I guess we, uh, I think we miss so much along the way, but uh, we, we've seen Paul, the Apostle Paul at Ephesus. And if you remember, there were, there were, when he first got back there, uh, he was preaching, and, and there were 12 men that ended up getting saved and baptized. And then this attack against the way came, and he had to shift gears, you'll remember. And for two years, he began teaching in the school of one Tyrannus. And again, we saw miracles that were undeniably from God, the hand of God. We saw people even uh, the, two weeks ago try to counterfeit the work of God, the hand of God, in the name of Jesus Christ. And the seven sons of Sceva were uh, named in particular, but there were others who were trying to do this. But then an example was made of them, and that the, the demon looked at him and said, well, we know who Jesus is, we know who Paul is, but we have no idea who you are. And uh, again, the demon leaped on them, they ran out with no clothes and all that kind of stuff. But uh, in the midst of all of this craziness and chaos, in the midst of all these attacks, in the midst of all this struggle and, and, and turmoil in the, in, in the following of the way and the preaching of the gospel, we saw, in, in spite of all of that, the Word of God grew mightily and prevail after it all. And so again, we know that the enemy 
doesn't like to relax. He, he will not relax. We want him to relax, but he's not going to relax when the Word of God is prevailing uh, and, and doing what it wants to do. Again, I've seen it so many times, sadly, in ministry, you got a, a young Christian, right? Uh, me and Brother Jeffrey, we, we were talking about this um, a few weeks back, and uh, he, he kind of laughs at, at uh, some of the people that he, he disciples, uh, is because a lot of them end up quitting and, and leaving. And, uh, and, and that's not to, to a knock on him, but it's a lot of times he takes on these that uh, are, are just seem to be eager and, and, and maybe even uh, a, a difficult. A path of discipleship in some instances. Um, and man, at first, these people, they want to they grab it. They, they want to eat it. Yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm committed. Yes, I'm in this. And then all of a sudden, the enemy comes along. And maybe seeing the potential and maybe seeing the Word of God take effect, um, he just gobbles them up. And again, I've seen that so many times. And, and, and even in maybe some of your lives, you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to devote myself even more to God's word. I'm going to devote myself even more to, to serving God, to sharing the gospel. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. I'm going to be faithful to his church. I'm going to be faithful to, to the things of God. I'm going I'm to really focus myself on eternal things. And the next thing you know, the enemy is just like, ah, you know, burying his teeth even, even greater than before. And so the tendency that we have is to say, you know what? I'm not going to sell out that much. You know, I, the last time I got that involved, I got hurt. You know, last time that I, I, I connected with people that, that intensely, I got burned. You know, last time that, that I, I, I did this, I, I got, you know, uh, attacked. Our family was attacked or whatever the case may be. But we, we know the enemy is not going to relax. He's not going to settle back and say, well, it looks like the Word of God is prevailing in that church. Looks like the Word of God is prevailing in that community. Looks like the Word of God is prevailing in that person's life or that family. Looks like God's really getting the victory there. I guess I'll back off. That's not how he works. He wouldn't do it then. He's not going to do it now. So I want to I pray once again and, and jump into this, uh, this study and see what happens and hopefully gain something to help us uh, as, as the church in 2022. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for what we've already experienced, and we're excited to see what you continue to do in this place today, and both this morning and this evening, if you will it. God, we, we pray for lost souls. God, if there's somebody here, as it's already been prayed, that is far from you, they've never had a, an encounter with they've never surrendered their life and, and, and began a relationship with you through their faith in Jesus Christ, they've never repented of their sins, they've never been born again. Lord, if there's somebody like that today, I pray for their salvation. I pray today... They wouldn't leave out of this place with questions about eternity. Lord, they would leave out of this place with 100% assurance that when they die, heaven's going to be their home. And again, if there's somebody like that with questions or they, they know in their heart, they know in their mind, they, they've never surrendered, I pray, again, they would move today uh, at the end of this service uh, to, make that, to settle that matter. And we'll praise you for that. Lord, work in all of our lives today. I pray your word and your spirit would have free course. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 19, verse 21. Now after these things were finished, Paul purposed in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem after he passed through Macedonia and Achaia, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So we see just right off the bat after, after this is going on in Ephesus and, and um, you know, things, things are happening and moving, he, we see his intention. We see what his, his purpose, his intent is in all of this, and, and he wanted to go back to Jerusalem, 
He, he had some things that he felt the Spirit was leading him to do there, which we're about to get there in, in, in an amazing um, statement from the Apostle Paul. A great lesson is going to be learned when, when we get there in the next chapter. But this is what he planned to do. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to eventually get my way to Rome. Now, at this point in time, there's no way that Paul knew exactly how he was going to get to Rome and what he was going to do while he was there. Uh, spoiler alert, though, right here. Some of you already know this. It wasn't an ideal vacation trip to Rome. You know what? I want to go to Italy before I uh, wrap up this season of ministry. I'm going to get back to Jerusalem, get back home, see, and take care of some business there. Then, you know what? We're, we're going to go see Rome. You know, we're going to go to Italy and uh, no, no, no. It wasn't a vacation. It wasn't even what some people consider a, a mission trip today in man's eyes. God would take him to Rome that we'll see, uh, but it's going to be through trial and for trial. But in verse 22 it says, And having sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. Um, so, in, you know, in, in recent messages we have talked about the importance of being a friend and being uh, a faithful and a loyal and a, and a, and a helpful friend. Um, these two men were those faithful friends, those co-laborers. They were, they were trustworthy enough for him to say, you know what, I, I need you to take care of this. I'm going to leave you here. And we talked about that too. The fact that Paul entrusted these two men to send them ahead to Macedonia was huge. There was a lot of things that had to be factors for him to be able to do this. And so we see right on the heels of the revival that was going on in Ephesus, in this nice season, what we would call a, a peaceful and fruitful ministry, what we're about to see is another issue arise. Verse 23. And about that time, during that season, right around this time where, man, great revival was happening in Ephesus, Paul had some trust, trustworthy, faithful men that he could send ahead to Macedonia. Again, man, as a leader, that just is it, it, so encouraging. It's so uplifting whenever things are like this, right? That, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, there have been seasons in ministry that that's the way it is. Man, it's not like, who are we going to get to do this? It's like, man, we've got all these people to do. Praise God. Man, this is, this is awesome. We can entrust. And this person's a leader. And this person, this is evident. This is awesome. There, there's been seasons like that in, in ministry. But verse 23 always comes. Verse 23 always comes. It says, and about that time there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. Man, I, I wish I could tell you in, in, in ministry that it, I've, I've experienced seasons where it wasn't like that. But I can't. And I'll be honest with you, every pastor that I've ever talked to, ever, says the same exact thing. Now, you can see uh, certain churches and certain pastors, you can, you can maybe watch them on YouTube or on TV or listen to their podcast or maybe visit their church, and you're like, man, this church, I mean, they, uh, this pastor, this, this ministry, they have it all going on. There is nothing, I mean, I don't ever see anything like that in them. I mean, they've got leaders for this and people for that and staff for this. I mean, they never run into any problems, and I promise you this. If you were to have a conversation with that pastor, he would tell you the same exact thing. If they're faithful to the way. If they're faithful to the, the gospel and the truth and they're faithful to that, I promise you this, because I believe this, the enemy, the ones who aren't teaching and preaching the truth and the gospel, I believe, that, and, and maybe those, those churches are exploding, I believe the enemy's like, 
they're doing a good enough job themselves. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep my nose out of that business because it's already working. You know, they're already, they're already not going the right direction. They're already not preaching the truth. They're already not true to the gospel. Every church that is true to the way, that is true to the gospel, that stays faithful in, in serving the Lord, we know this is always the case. Point number one in your notes is when we faithfully serve the Lord, we must always be ready for the disturbance. As I said a while ago, we've, we've learned lessons along the way that are similar to this because it is a recurring theme. It's something that, that I think God has preserved in His Word, and the record that we have in Scripture is clear that for a reason, that we know this is the way it goes. We should be prepared as we're serving God. You say, as I said a while ago, say, man, every time I commit myself to reading God's Word more or to praying more or to sharing the gospel with my friends and coworkers and family, every time I commit to, to being faithful to church and, and, and to be connected with people in the church, every time I, I commit to doing those things, I feel like every time I get knocked off, every time the attack comes, and it just gets discouraging. It gets, it gets wearying. But in our case here, we see the church's dedication to the gospel. What, what type of no small disturbance does that mean? Right? I mean, I think that we always, as I said a while ago, are kind of looking to other people's lives and say, you know, what are the trials that they going through? And why are they going through them? But this church's dedication, this first church's dedication to the gospel starts a riot. That's what we're going to see. It starts a riot in the city. No matter how long pastors have served in ministry, they still have and I believe always will have instances where some disturbance, some disruption, some attack comes and stirs the the peaceful, fruitful season of ministry. And if you've served in ministry, maybe you're a ministry leader, or maybe you've served in a certain ministry for a certain amount of time, you know the case is true for you. The same is true for you. And you always kind of wonder, why is that? Why that, that it's the ones who are so faithful. Man, I am faithful to church. I am faithful to read my Bible. I'm faithful to praying. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I you know, do this, and I try to witness, and, and, and I try to connect and fellowship with the church, the body, the family. I try to help others and, and, and love. I try to disciple. I try to do all these things. I'm, I'm fully engaged in this. But man, it just seems like I can't find a peaceful, restful season. If it's not my family, it's my health. It's not my health. It's my job. It's not my job. It's, it's something going on in the ministry. Somebody's not here. Somebody's not there. Somebody's not happy. Somebody's attacking. Somebody's talking. What? Why is this happening? And, and, and I think sometimes we, 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 we lose sight uh, of, of this. And here's kind of what I, I've come to. It's, it's as if God is, is saying to us, don't lodge here in the wilderness. Don't try to make your permanent camp here in the wilderness. Don't rest. The day is coming for rest. Now is the time for laboring. And that's the only thing that I can come to. Is because we have that tendency, right? Every single one of us has that tendency. When things are good in our life, we want to be like, um, we want to be like that bird making its nest real comfortable. And I think I just want to I want to stay here. Everything's wonderful. Everything feels good. Every, every relationship, 
health, job, finances, uh, amazing. I, I, I feel great here. And, and then the temptation and the tendency is to ease up in serving God. Ease up in sharing. the Ease up. But to let off the gas pedal a little bit, just we want to find a parking spot right here. And we like the season of our life. The day's coming for rest. Rest is, it's not about right now. Right now is about laboring. See, so yeah, but I've been laboring for 50 years. As I said, well, I'll go. That's, that's not even a drop in the bucket in the, in the scope of eternity. 50 years of serving God is nothing compared to etern- the eternal rest that we will have for eternity. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, a familiar scripture to, to most of you probably. Remember those who lead you or who led you who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct and imitate their faith. Listen to these words. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't be carried about by varied and strange teachings, for it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here, right here, we do not have a lasting city. But we're seeking the city which is to come. Again, we have to remember that, that this is not our home. The, as the song says, we're just passing through. This is not, this is right here that we're on, as I, as I shared recently, is a battlefield. The, the, the example that was given at that conference I shared, it's, we're on a battleship, not a cruise ship. You know, this is, this is the, the time that God has afforded to us in His grace, as we just read, to serve Him, to labor for Him, to, for souls. This is what it's about. Whether we're sowing or watering, that's what it is. So, so when we're looking and finding, I just want a season of peace. Look, I, that's the way our flesh is wired. That's the way it is. And I believe that God gives us those moments of peace. But I believe there's a reason why he doesn't let us just stay in this place of comfort and ease when we're serving him. Because our temptation would be to pursue that versus pursue him. Man, I remember when everything was like this. What do we need to do to get back to this? Oh, no, no, no. Our whole pursuit should be, I want to get to him. I'm pursuing everything. I can. I'm, I'm serving and laboring because that's the, that's the lasting city. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus told us this. I, I've said these things to you that in me, in him, not in the world, in me, you might have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have trials and troubles. The world is full of that. That's what it is. You know, don't seek peace and don't seek comfort in the world. That's You find that in me. He said, but it's okay. Take heart. I've overcome the world. So seek, seek to have your peace in me. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You know, I've preached this before. 
And I've admitted that it's a struggle even for me I, I, as a pastor, I, even if I know these things and have experienced these things and, and, and the reality is what it is for, for this many years of ministry, I still struggle finding the balance of serving the Lord and then rejoicing and enjoying the victories while at the same time staying alert and ready for the next, next attack, knowing that it's coming. I struggle to find that balance. And, and what I end up finding myself doing is, is I'm an optimistic person. That's just kind of the way I try, I try to look at the, the bright side of things. I try to be realistic. But what I find myself doing in, in, in ministry sometimes is not rejoicing and enjoying and celebrating the victories as much as maybe I should. Because what ends up happening is you see God work in someone's life. You see God work in a, in a ministry. Something's going on. You see God answer prayer and, and something happens in a, in a family. And, and, and there's, there's blessings and there's restoration and there's victory and there's fruit. And there's amazing. People went from, from not being faithful to faithful. People went to, to, from not being involved in, in sharing the gospel to sharing the gospel. People went from not discipling to discipling. People were growing. They, this person wants to get baptized and this happens. And you're like, man, this is so cool. And then the first reaction, the first, the first um, I guess, reaction maybe. The knee-jerk reaction. He's like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, wait, wait. What's going to happen now? How's the enemy going to attack them? How's the enemy going to attack us? How's the enemy going to attack this? And so, again, it's, it, it's a struggle to find the balance of that rejoicing and celebrating the victories while staying sober and alert that the enemy is just lurking. He's looking for that, that one to, to say, Oh, look, they've wandered from the, from the group. They see the green pasture. They're not staying close together. And they're just eating that green grass over there by themselves. Again, the difficulty is when we're rejoicing in the victories of God. And then the disturbance feels like a sucker punch. Right? That's hard. That's difficult. And when it comes from an unexpected person, a friend, a family member, or even a stranger, I have a sucker punch. Why did this have to happen? When it comes from an unexpected circumstance, a loss of a job out of nowhere, a health problem that just pops up. Turn, uh, change in relational terms. I think sometimes we get discouraged and tired of the attacks because maybe we have a preconceived idea or maybe it's not a preconceived idea. Maybe it's a preconceived and a skewed idea, a distorted idea based on our own assumption and perception of other people's lives as followers of Christ of what our life is supposed to look like. Again, we can have this skewed, preconceived idea when we're looking at other people's lives and you say, man, I mean, I see them and all I see is no problems. I, I look at that, that person's life, I see that, that family in it, and man, they, they post on social media and, and they, they walk in here and, and, and I see them doing this and I never see problems, I never see issues. And, 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 and again, this is our own own problem. This is what we end up doing wrong. We have this, this assumption, this skewed idea of what living the Christian life is based on what we consider the best of the Christian life in people. 
They have money. They don't have problems. They have this. They have that. They don't have this. They don't have that. They, and, and so we see this, and somehow we see ease and peace and the absence of our problems, problems and, and think somehow that's what everyone's life is supposed to look like when you're following Christ. Again, no health issues, no financial issues. They got a perfect marriage and perfect kids. No insecurities. They don't battle anything in the flesh it doesn't look like. And so then we get frustrated in the path of our obedience when the disturbance comes to our lives and our ministry. And when it happens, we begin to get weary. And then our faithfulness to the Lord, to his church, to the way, begins to wane. It's not that important that I go. I don't really want to see this person anymore. I don't want to see them. I'm really not engaged. I'm really not connected. I'm really not feeling it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Some consider pulling back, pulling away, even going away. And some do go away because of the disturbance. I want to tell you this right now. Please hear me. There is no example of running or quitting that we see in the first church except in Judas, except in people like Demas, except in John Mark. And Scripture made them an example that this is not the path we should follow. We know Peter, he did for a little bit, right? Until after the resurrection, then he came back around. But we don't see that example in Scripture. We, we don't see that, that when the disturbance comes, when, 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 when the attacks come, when ministry gets difficult, man, when the unexpected sucker punch comes, we don't see in Scripture, okay, well, I guess I need to do something else. I need to go somewhere else where it's easy and more comfortable and what I like. We don't see that. We see those who are in path of obedience and faithfulness uh, attack, uh, get attacked from outside, get attacked from within, and stay faithful to the way. Listen, attacks and disturbances will come against the way when we are faithfully laboring for it. That's the way it works. And most often, it should be like we see in our text from without. I think it should be that way. Right? As a church, as a family, that, that whenever we are experiencing great season of fruitfulness and, and rejoicing in ministry, that, that, that when the attacks happen to you individually or to your family or to, to a ministry that you're serving in, when the attacks happen, we, we feel like, and I agree, it should be from without, right? Like the, the, the community should look at us and say, well, why are they trying to help the, the, those in need? Why are they trying to take, take this, this, these care packages? Why are they trying to, why are they putting tracks on people's doors? Why are they, why are they the, again, the attacks, the disturbances come from without. That's what it should be. But sometimes we know they come from within the family of God. But what's surprising is the same thing happens in our earthly families, Right? I don't know anybody's family who is perfect without any disturbance. Right? You have issues. You, if you're married, there are discussions that you have. We'll call them discussions. There are discussions and disagreements that you have. Your kids, I, I, I'm, I, I'm sure there's somebody in here, but I'm sure uh, most kids, and maybe you're one of those families, they say, well, no, our, our kids are perfect. <laughs> but I'm sure that that there are every person in here that your kids don't always do 
exactly what they're supposed to do or what you want them to do, what you told them to do. Right? They're, they're, that's just the, the way it is in our earthly families. But what ends up happening is when there's disturbances within the family of God, there's a different standard. A different standard. Maybe a different grace extended. And attacks come from without and come from within. In our text, Paul was on his way to Jerusalem, and here in Ephesus, after a great season of victory, he finds his next struggle, his next trial, his next burden. And I want to try to hurry for a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines, shrines of Artemis, which is uh, the, the false god, false idol, Diana of the Romans. And so, uh, same one. He was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. Now, this, uh, this, this false god, this goddess, uh, was the goddess of nature, animals, and fertility. And, and she was an ugly, four-breasted woman. You can, you can do your, your, your research. You can see the, the old idol, uh, this. But this, this image was believed to have fallen from heaven. And this maybe meteor, if it was, resembled this creature. The temple that they were worshiping in was this large edifice, and it was one of the seven wonders of the world. It served this practical purpose as, as a treasury or, or a bank, but also this place of, of financial uh, gain where people were able to make business. There's a lot of commercial uh, going on. So whenever this, this disruption of, of, of uh, idol-making uh, came along, it, it, it really, really messed up the community. It really messed up the culture whenever Paul was preaching the gospel one true God, Jesus Christ. Verse 25 says, this is, this is what Demetrius did. He gathered together with the workmen of similar trades and said, man, you know that our prosperity depends on this business. Like, we got to keep, we got to be able to still make these false gods, these false idols to, 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 to Artemis. We still got to be able to do this. He said, for, for you see and, and hear that not only in Ephesus, but almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. Not only this, he says, there, there's a, not only is there a danger that this trade of ours fall in disrepute, in other words, people begin to, to not respect it and not, not, not see that it's important to them, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless. And that she whom all of Asia and the whole world worship will even be dethroned from her magnificence. When they heard this, they were filled with rage. Are you talking about our money and our idol worship, our way of life, what we want to do, the, those, those lost, those, those who, are, who are worshiping the false, you know, almighty dollar and, and, and the false, you know, uh, security and blessing, you know, all those things in the world, they begin to cry out and saying, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Jesus Christ, the gospel message, disrupted their, their false worship, their idol worship, their way of living, their worship of money. And it didn't line up with the, the, the message of the world, if you will, and it still doesn't today. It disrupted their motives and their motivations. It disrupted their messaging and their idolatry, and that's exactly what the gospel does still today. Because of the lies of the enemy, what ends up happening is confusion, right? The gospel message was very simple. Jesus Christ, 
Him alone, crucified, risen again. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but by Him. The message, the way is very simple, but because of the lies of the enemy, it causes the disruption. Point number two, when we faithfully share the gospel, we must know that conflict will result. And we could say confusion will result. But that's okay. With, 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 with the, without the struggle, there are no victories. Without the battle, no soul is one. The first church saw the example of our Lord and followed it. Jesus himself labored, labored on our behalf. He suffered and he left an example to follow as we read Hebrews 13, 13. But 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, for this finds favor, it's this, if for the sake of conscience towards God a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is it, is it if, there, uh, if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and you suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you've been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while he was being reviled, he didn't revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to uh, righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. I'm going to close with what happens next. city was filled, in verse 29, with confusion. They rushed in one accord to the theater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus and uh, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. And when Paul wanted to go into the assembly, (laughs) well, let me go in there and I'll tell them. I'll I'll straighten them out. The disciples said, no, 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 no. (laughs) Not right now. Not a good time. They're really mad. Also, some of the uh, uh, Asiarchs, who are friends of his sent to him and repeatedly urged him not to venture into the theater. I want to say this, I thank God for friends who, who are looking out and praying for you, that you're not torn to pieces. Good friends. That's what Paul would have experienced had it not been some friends that said, whoa, 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 we're going to intercede here. So then some were shouting one thing and some were another for the assembly was in confusion, and the majority did not know for what reason they had come together. Again, it sounds similar to some of the recent riots in our world, right? You, you, they've interviewed people in the last couple of years. Hey, why are you out here? I don't know. I came out here. Everybody coming out here. Did you bring your sign? No, they gave me a sign. You know, why are you out here? That's exactly what was happening. Some of the people didn't even know why they were rioting. I share that because nothing really has changed. The enemy does that. He lies in confusion, swaying the masses. And in this, his desire is to keep the people of bondage and uh, people of God in bondage. These people were going along with the masses because that's what was making the biggest stink. They were upset because their worldly, idolatrous lives were at risk of being taken away. And please hear me this morning. If we're not in tune to the fact that nothing new is under the sun, and some of the same issues that are swaying the masses now aren't the same disturbances to keep the gospel from affecting people's lives, then we're the fools with our heads in the sand. It's exactly what Satan's doing today. There's so much in our world now that's confusing and deceiving the masses. And it's not our job to do anything else but be faithful to the way, to share the gospel. To pursue Jesus Christ. 
It wasn't simply about jobs and idols then. Those were the surface tools. It was about souls. And so it is today. The tragedy today is that the church is often found in the confused masses. People of God, just as confused. Not focused on why we're here for a short time, which is the gospel. And so whatever is stirring, whatever debate, debate or lie, whatever confusing issue is propagated, notice what the church did. They stayed the course on the only thing that would change anyone's heart. And ultimately their trust, and that's Jesus Christ and the gospel. Some of the crowd concluded it was Alexander, verse 33, since the Jews had put him forward. And having motioned with his hand, Alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, a single outcry arose from them all, uh, from, from them all as they shouted for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! After quieting the crowd, the town clerk said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there after all who does not know that the city of, uh, of the Ephesians is guardian of the temple of great Artemis, or the image which fell down from heaven. So since these are undeniable facts, you ought to calm and do nothing rash. For you have, been, you have brought these men here who neither are robbers of temples nor blasphemers of our goddess. So then if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a complaint against any man, then the courts are in session and proconsuls are available. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you want anything beyond this, it shall be settled in the lawful assembly. For indeed we are in danger of being accused of a riot from, from, the, from the government in connection with today's events since there is no real cause for it. And in this connection we would be unable to account for this disorderly gathering. After saying this, he dismissed the assembly. Ultimately, we should stay the course, church. Let's stay dedicated to Jesus. Let's stay dedicated to each other. Let's stay dedicated to the gospel mission. Not allowing the world, not allowing the world's issues that cause division and confusion to divide, to discourage, or to distract us as his people. Just as the Lord took care of it then, he used a little town clerk. He does the same and will do the same for us now. Listen, if you're going to get wrapped up in anything, church, don't let it be the changing issues of the day to distract us or the activity or your favorite sport or your idol or a pop popular topic or, or your hobby. As a child of the living God, as a co-laborer with God, as an ambassador for the kingdom of God, let's get wrapped up in sharing the gospel with people that are wrapped up in idolatry. And let's just see what that does. Let, let's see what, let's, let's do what the first church did and see if we just don't get absolutely wrapped up in the gospel, in the, in the work, in the way, see what God will do. Let's not be found in, in, out there in the confused masses. Let's stay together, pursuing Christ and faithful to his mission. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all you do. God, I know from me, for every single one of us in this place, God, we, we can be guilty of getting weary and well-doing. We can be guilty of being distracted. We can be guilty of, of being confused and wrapped up. And Lord, there's so many things in, in, in our day and time with information on every hand. Everywhere we look, we can find it. It's easy to get confused. It's easy to get distracted and uh, 
just wrapped up in this world and we, we know that this world, we have to live in this world and we have to, 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 to try to make wise decisions according to your wisdom. But Lord, we're not, we realize we're not of this world. We're just in it for a short time as your ambassadors. And so we can't live, in our heads, live with our heads in the sand one way or the other. I pray that the main thing we do is focus ourselves on you. That we would set our eyes on you. That we'd be passionate and faithful for the gospel. Use us as vessels of honor, Lord. I pray that you would just help us now as we respond to your word. I ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to invite you to come.